God. Isaiah chapter number nine is where we will read from in our text. Read two verses, verses six and seven. Brother Eddie had reminded me of this message several weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, and I was actually scheduled to preach that Sunday night that we had to close down on this thought and message that I'll never forget it. Um, he called me, Brother Eddie, one Wednesday afternoon at work and uh, said he had had something to come up. He said, do you have a thought that uh, you can preach tonight? I said, yes, sir, I, I do. He said, well, we'll uh, turn you loose tonight. Be ready. Well, after I got off the, the phone call, Brother Nell, I realized that I said, yes, sir, I do by faith. Uh-huh. It was one of those times where uh, the quiver was a little bit full. Uh-huh. Or, excuse me, the quiver was a little bit bare. And uh, I just uh, said, Lord, you're going to have to talk to me and he led me to these verses of scripture and it, it was like braille that popped off uh, the pages and God helped us and God blessed us and uh, has used this message around the world as we traveled in different places and uh, just moved mightily and there it has grown so much since its inception uh, but we're just going to obey the Lord tonight Isaiah chapter number nine very familiar text that we'll read the word of God reads as this, for unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and his peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this the latter part of of verse number 6 his name shall be called wonderful counselor the mighty God the everlasting father the prince of peace I want to preach that the Lord to help us on the name of Jesus the name of Jesus stretch forth your hand this way and ask God to help us and anoint us tonight father we love you we are so thankful for your spirit we thank you for your presence even now oh God what we have been made to feel I'm asking for the unction for uh, the anointing for the empowerment of the Holy Ghost to rest upon me this night father as always I confess I have no talent I have no ability, I have no giftings without you, without your anointing, without your spirit. But, oh, God, with you, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm asking as the lot has fallen for the preaching of the word of God, Father, that you would move, that you would help us, that you would anoint us tonight. God, and I pray that you would lead us into a time around these altars where our hearts and lives are challenged and changed by the power of your spirit and father we'll be careful to give you the glory to give you the honor to give you all the praise for every good thing that is accomplished in this service tonight it's in your name we pray the mighty name of jesus and the church says amen and amen in isaiah chapter 9 we see a a prophecy from the prophet isaiah concerning the christ that was to come if you were to go back and you would Read the, the latter part of Isaiah chapter number 8 and verse number 22 and then the first five chapters of, 
uh, Isaiah chapter number 9, you would see a very dark time. And you would see a very dark season. And verse number 22 says, And they shall look into the earth and behold trouble and darkness, dimness of anguish, and they shall be driven to darkness. Isaiah was talking about how the climate of the age before Christ would come, how it would be dark and how it would be dim and the world would be full of anguish. But then he, he goes on to say, don't lose heart. Don't lose hope because the Messiah is coming. Jesus is going to come, the promised one that we're looking for. He is going to come. And when he comes, he says his name shall be called Wonderful. Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. This is not my message tonight. But listen, church, it matters not how dark it gets. Uh, just hold on. Jesus is coming. Isaiah was speaking to his first coming when he would come as the baby in the manger, but he's already done that. You and I tonight are looking at him, looking at him to come as the ruling, reigning king. Hallelujah. Don't lose heart in the darkness. Isaiah was telling him. Israel, don't lose heart. Don't lose hope in the darkness. Amen. Just hold on to Jesus. It's coming. It's the same message and the same hope that you and I have in our heart tonight. But in this text, as we have wrapped up the Christmas season, we have turned the page and we have entered into a new year. I wonder how many churches across America and the world today are preaching on vision. It seems like that, the, the, the first message of the year, that's a very common thing. And just fast forward back to 2020 when they were talking about 2020 vision. They had no clue what that year was going to bring. They had no clue the heartache, the, 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 the turmoil. They had no clue what was going to transpire. Uh, the, the same way we don't know what's going to transpire in this year. But we do know who's in charge. And we do know who is in control. But as we have flipped the page on this Christmas season, it was customary. And you would see this verse uh, of Scripture. It was found on Christmas cards. And it was found on billboards. And it was found on other uh, uh, means of communication talking about the name of Jesus as prophesied by the prophet Isaiah. And it seems like once we close the page on the Christmas season, we forget about this verse. We forget about this passage and we forget about the power that is contained in these verses. It seems that for many people, this is just a seasonal verse. But my Bible says in Hebrews 13 verse 8, that Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Listen, the power contained in these verses of Scripture is not seasonal. The, the power contained in, in this verse of Scripture is just describing Jesus Christ. It's not something that runs from Thanksgiving to Christmas and then the book is closed on it. But Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if Jesus was wonderful in the beginning, which he was, amen, then we must know that he's just as wonderful today. 
If he was the mighty God in his birth, he's just as mighty today as he was then. If he is the counselor and the prince of peace, amen, if he was that in his, uh, in, in his uh, at the beginning when he was birthed, amen, how much more is he the mighty God and the wonderful counselor, the everlasting father and the prince of peace today? I'm here to tell you, church, there is no expiration, amen, on the power of Jesus Christ. You can't exhaust the resources of the power that we have in his name. You can't exhaust the resources that are there just by mentioning the name of Jesus. If you were to go to Jamaica tonight and you would begin to worship with them, you it wouldn't be long that you would be in that service where a pastor or a preacher or a worship leader would say, big him up, man. Big him up. That means praise him and adore him. Amen. I'm here to tell you, you can't big him up big enough. Amen. He's bigger than that. Amen. You can't Amen. lift him up high enough because he's greater than the highest mountain. He's more powerful than the greatest star. Amen. He's bigger than anything that we can comprehend in our mind or in our thought process. We operate in the finite, but he operates in the infinite. We operate in the natural, but he is supernatural. His ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are higher than ours. Hallelujah. I'm here to worship the everlasting and the unchanging Christ. Let's look at the few things that the writer described the name of Jesus as. The first thing that he said is that his name, that he would be wonderful. I'm here to tell you tonight that the name of Jesus is wonderful. Amen. To the lost man, to the unregenerate man, the name of Jesus means absolutely nothing. It's a, it may be used in, as a byword. It may be used as something slanderous. To the, the lost man, it means nothing. But I can tell you to the born again man, the name of Jesus means absolutely everything. The name of Jesus, if you're to look up that word wonderful in the Hebrew, it means a little bit different than what we would think of it as in the English, excuse me, in the Greek. But that word wonderful in the Greek means miraculous. It means a miracle. And as I begin to ponder and meditate on Christ and all that he was and all that he did, you can truly say that he was miraculous. Amen. And his coming. Number one, the conception of Christ was miraculous. When Mary, never having known a man, amen, the angel came unto her and said, Mary, amen, you're going to be with child and you're going to bring forth the son. And you shall call his name Jesus and he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest and the Lord God shall give him the throne of his father David. And Mary said unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing that I know not a man? And the angel answered and said, The Holy Ghost, I love this, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. And therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Mary was pure in a world that was anything but pure. I did some research and some studying on this. 
and I won't get into the details and share everything that I read, but the, the level of sin and ungodliness in that day was as great than, uh, greater than what we can even imagine in our day. The Romans were there, and they were picking uh, the, the young girls of the land and ravaging them and taking them for themselves. The, the, the level of uh, infidelity and, and sexual immor immorality was at a peak in that land, but even in the midst of all of that, uh, there was one girl uh, that had saved herself for the purpose and the cause of God. Uh, there was one girl that was there uh, that had never known a man, uh, and that was the one through which the Messiah would come. Uh, that had never happened before, uh, and it will never happen again. Uh, the conception of Christ uh, was absolutely miraculous. Uh, it was a uh, fulfillment of Scripture uh, when he said, Therefore shall give you a sign, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Going back to the conception of the Virgin Mary, it truly was wonderful. It truly was miraculous. Never before had it happened and never again will it happen. Miraculous. The birthplace of Christ was miraculous. For you see, Joseph and Mary, they were from Nazareth uh -huh. in Galilee. And it just so happened that there was a decree that arose in the land for all the people to go through the census and be taxed. Uh -huh. So they had to travel to Bethlehem, which was some 65 to 70 miles away from Nazareth. Why did this have to be? Because it was prophesied that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. That was, uh, Bethlehem of Friday was where the Messiah was supposed to be born. So I, I can tell you, there are no happenstances with God. He is meticulous in every detail. Uh, they thought that it was just the, the run of the mill, usual, uh, that uh, there was a tax to be issued and that they had to go and, and travel this, Mary being great with child. Uh, but no, it was the divine origin uh, and the divine plan of God uh, to get them into the proper place uh, for this Messiah to be born. Uh, Bethlehem means house of bread. Uh, amen. It means the place uh, where bread uh, was to be found in Jesus himself. Himself said that I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. The birthplace was absolutely miraculous and it fulfilled scripture down to a T. His birth announcement was miraculous. It's customary nowadays for, for when children are born for parents to make an announcement on social media, on Facebook, on different Social media accounts, when I was growing up, it, they would put it in the newspaper and allow people to, to see that so-and-so had a child, six pounds, five ounces, 18 inches long. Mom and baby are doing great. Put a picture on there. That's customary. That surprises no one. But on the day that Jesus was born, the angels descended down told the shepherds that unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. The, the announcement, amen, was issued by the heralds of heaven. 
Never before has that happened. And I, I can say for a surety that it never will happen again, but I think the odds are pretty good. Never again will it happen on that fashion. Amen. Again, everything about Christ, the conception, the place of his birth, his announcement uh, was wonderful. Uh, it was miraculous. His life was miraculous. Uh, a lot of people put emphasis uh, on his birth. Uh, a lot of people put emphasis on his death. Uh, that's why you only see him two times a year in church, uh, on Christmas and on Easter. Uh, amen. But if that's all that you know about Christ, uh, you're missing the most powerful aspect to me, uh, and that is his life. How he lived, his character, his integrity, his holiness, how he conducted himself, never one time sinning, never one time giving in to the temptation of the flesh, never one time being separated from the Father. When he saw a need, he met the need, he healed the leper, he raised the dead, he gave the blind back their sight. Everything that Christ did was miraculous. Everything that Jesus did was wonderful. I'm here to tell you, church, we serve a wonderful Savior. We serve a miraculous King. And I'm here to exalt and magnify His name. His death and His suffering were miraculous. The prophecy of Christ said that His visage was more marred than any man. There's never been a man beaten to a pulp like Christ was. There's never been a man that has endured the physical agony and torment that Christ endured. So Brother Eddie said something in a message several years ago that always stuck with me. He said when they looked at Christ and he was at the whipping post and after that, when they put the cross on his shoulders, people didn't look at him and say, who is that? But they looked at him and said, what is that? Nothing could be ascertained about who he was because his body was ripped open and blood gushing and pouring out. Never a man suffered like Christ. His death was miraculous. And the fact that sometimes it would take three days or more on a cross for those prisoners or those criminals to die. But it was just a couple of hours that he was there when they come to break his legs to speed up the death process. He was already gone. Miraculous. And that wasn't just in and of itself. It wasn't just, just stating that isn't miraculous, but it was in the book of Psalms that it was prophesied, not a bone of his would be broken. Christ, the, the word of God, meticulous down to the, the, the most minute detail coming to pass. If they had to break Christ's legs for him to, to speed up the death process, then the, that would have been a contradiction and a lie in the word of God. Amen. But there is no contradiction and there is no lie. This word is life and it is power. Not only was his death miraculous, oh, but his resurrection was miraculous. You see, he died on a cross. They put him in a borrowed tomb. But three days later, death lost its hold. Death lost its grip. 
in Christ arose triumphant over death, hell, and the grave and has the keys. Amen of the same tonight. Miraculous. I've seen a lot of men die. I've stood by the graveside of some dear saints of God that's gone on to their internal reward. But I can tell you, I've never seen a man go in the ground or in a tomb and get back up and walk out again. Amen. That's not happenstance, folks. That's miraculous. That's the God we serve tonight. Not a God of the dead, but a God of the living. He is alive tonight, and he is alive forevermore. The world may try to crucify him afresh. That only happened once. He'll never be crucified again. He'll never be beaten again. He'll never die again. But as he got up and rose up the first time, he is going to rise and live forevermore. Absolutely miraculous. But all of those things that I talked to you about, past tense, it happened. And for much of the world today, that's all Jesus is, is a historical being. But folks, we've got to believe that he's just as miraculous right now as he was then. People's eyes get big when you tell them Jesus healed Barnabas' eyes or he raised Lazarus from the dead. But, Brother Bob, can I tell you in my mind, that's not Christ's greatest miracle. Amen. You can tell people about how the lepers come to him and leprosy was eating away their, 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 the parts of their body, their, their digits, their, their fingers, their toes, their nose, their ears, and about how he healed them. Stop the leprosy. That, that may get a ruse out of them. But that's not Christ's greatest miracle. You see, the greatest miracle in my mind, Brother Bob, is when he saved me. <laughs> I know just how low he had to reach. I know he had to get his hands dirty huh, when he reached down in the muck and the mire huh, and the hog pit of sin to pull me up. Huh. Amen. I haven't always been a man in a suit huh, screaming huh, and sweating and spitting and hollering, huh, preaching the gospel. Huh. Amen. I was a reject. Huh. I was degenerate. Huh. I was lost huh, in sin. Huh. But Christ, with his love and compassion, huh, reached down huh, and saved me. Huh. When I couldn't reach up to him, huh, he reached down to where I was and save my soul. Friend, that is Christ's greatest miracle in my mind. When he saved you, that is just as miraculous as when he opened the eyes of the blind. It's just as miraculous as when he raised Lazarus from the dead. The same way Lazarus was dead physically, you and I were dead spiritually and dead and in trespasses. But thanks be unto God, he didn't leave us in the tomb. He didn't leave us in the grave. He reached down and called my name. He reached down and called your name. And we are alive tonight. We serve a miraculous and a wonderful Savior. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I could stay there all night. But I got a few more points to preach. Not only is he wonderful, but Jesus is counselor. You see, a counselor is not somebody that you go to when things are good. Uh 
and rosy and smooth. But a counselor is someone that you need and that you meet with in times of trouble. You see, a counselor is someone that you go to that you confide in. And they're a resource to help you with what you're facing, with what you're going through. A counselor listens to your problems, provides advice on what to do. A counselor is someone that'll stick with you even in the difficult time. If you need good help, go to a counselor. You sit on their couch, you're going to get a pretty big bill. The better the counselor, the more they charge. Amen. That's how counselors work to us. But as I begin even studying this afresh this afternoon, diving deeper into the word of God, I looked up that word counselor in the Greek. And yes, it means advocate. Yes, it means one that's there to help. But it also means it carries it one step further in the Greek than we often do. And it means, Brother Eddie, one who resolves. You see, I can go to a counselor tonight and they can give advice. They can tell me what to do. They can tell me what not to do. But they cannot solve my problem. When I walk out the doors, I have the choice. Am I going to heed their advice? Or am I going to go about this thing on my own way? And when I face that problem, that counselor is not going to be there. Amen. They're not going to be there to help. Amen. But can I tell you tonight, we have a counselor that we can go to that not only listens, that not only will provide advice. Amen. But he's going to be with us all the way, even until the end. And not only is he going to be with us, but he's able to help resolve the problem. He's able to help me right in the middle of what I'm going through. If it's sin, he's the savior. If I'm sick, he's the healer. If I'm broke, he owns the cattle of a thousand hills and the hills under the cattle. If I'm bound, he's the deliverer. If I'm oppressed, he's my liberator. If I'm empty, he is my baptizer. Jesus Christ is able to meet every need in your life. It matters not how big or how small. Jesus is the answer for the world today. He's the answer for government. He's the answer for the economy. He's the answer for the pandemic. He's the answer for the church. He's the answer for you and for me. Oh my God, he is our great counselor. Listen, I know it's the ABCs of the gospel, but he is able to meet every need in your life. If I didn't believe that, I'd put the microphone down, Brother Bob, and never preach again. If I didn't believe that Jesus was able to supply every need in my life, then the whole book is a farce. But I can tell you it's not. I can tell you his power is all sufficient. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. He is able tonight. It matters not what problem you walked in the door with. You can have an encounter with this Christ and you can leave it at the altar. You can leave it at his feet. He is the mighty counselor. Hallelujah. 
not only the miraculous, wonderful counselor, but he is the mighty God. Jesus was God robed in the flesh. While he was 100% man that ate like us, that felt like us, had temptations like us. A lot of people think that Christ was immune from temptation. I can tell you that's contrary to the word of God. When it says that he was tempted and tested in all points and manners like as we. But one extra part right there. Yet without sin. I have given in to temptation in my life. You have given in to temptation in your life. Went out to have dinner with Brother Eddie's family yesterday. Ate the main course. Devil come around, offering that dessert menu. Tempted, I knew better. Gave in to that temptation. It sure was good. I sure regretted it later. We all give in to temptation. For me, it might be ooey-gooey cake. For you, it might be something altogether different. Man, we give in to temptation. We're flesh. Christ never one time did. Just a truth there, just because you're tempted by evil and sin don't mean you have to give in to it. Just because the devil comes knocking at your door don't mean you have to let him in. Christ was tempted in all points like as we. He ate like us. He, he was hungry like us. He drank like us. He was thirsty. He cried like us when he wept by the grave of Lazarus. Jesus wept. He cried. He's not an inanimate object in the sky. He's not a creation of, of wood or of stubble. I got it right this time. I combined them last time I preached, but then he pointed it out. He's not a creation of man's hands that has no feelings, that has no thoughts. He wept when they told him about Lazarus. He cried. Speaks to his humanity. But while he was 100% man, he was also 100% God that speaks to his divinity. Amen. He was just as divine on earth as the Father was in heaven. I know that that is hard for the finite mind to comprehend. Amen. But it is truth in all aspects. He was 100% man, but he was also 100% God. He was omnipotent. He was all-powerful. He was omniscient, all-knowing. Amen. And all of those things, all of those wonderful attributes and traits uh, that he had while he walked this earth then. Uh, amen. Folks, he's not missed a step. Uh, time uh, hasn't caused rust to develop anywhere. Uh, he is just as powerful right now uh, as he was uh, when he wore shoe leather uh, some 2,000 years ago. Uh, amen. He holds power uh, over heaven. Uh, he holds power over earth. Uh, they were jockeying for position uh, uh, over who was going to be the Speaker of the House just this afternoon. Oh, and much to our chagrin. Amen. We got four more years of Nancy Pelosi as Speaker of the House. She thinks she has all power. Amen. But she don't know this man named Christ. Amen. The Democrats may think that they're in charge and in control. Oh, but there is one that is much higher than any Democrat, than any Republican, than any Independent. 
He's a king with all power in his hands. Oh, my God. He has power over death, hell, and the grave. And the heart of the king is in his hands. All he has to do is speak the word. And all of heaven stands at attention. All he has to do is speak the word. And all of hell shakes and trembles. I'm talking to you about the power of this man called Christ. He is our mighty God. You look up that word mighty in the Greek. It means one who is strong, mighty, powerful, a champion. And I know that this is a carnal, carnal analogy. But Paul used the athletic events of his day when he talked about the boxer that beateth against the air. Talked about the marathon runner there, the, the runner that would run the race. We're in the, the closing chapter of this football season. All 150, whatever number of college teams and whatever amount of professional teams, now they're in the playoff season where they are fighting to be the last team standing. And if they win that last game, Brother Bob, they get to hold that trophy. They are then titled as the champion. They're better than everybody else. They've won the games. They won the games that mattered. And here they are. They are the last team standing. That's what the word champion means. To be the last one standing. Can I tell you the devil has had his day. The antichrist is going to have his day. The beast and the false prophet, they're going to have their days. All the dictators and rulers of this world, they were born, they reigned, they died, and they're dead. Amen. Every uh, uh, evil spirit and evil power, uh, amen, their, their reign uh, is but just for a season. Uh, but can I tell you, church, uh, I've read the end of the book, uh, and Brother Larry, uh, he is uh, the last man standing. Uh, he is uh, the mighty God. Uh, he is uh, our champion. Hallelujah. Oh, that shouting ground tonight. Uh, amen. I know in whom I have believed, not a God that's going to lose power. I don't have to worry about getting to heaven and then somebody else taking over. I don't have to worry about getting there and somebody else rising up and usurping the throne. No. Amen. I know in whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him even against that day and he will never lose his power. We serve a mighty Savior, church, a mighty God, and he is champion. Hallelujah. Not only is he champion, but he is our everlasting father. I've got to hurry. I lost my dad very suddenly at 15 years of, uh, 15 years of age. I know what it's like to lose a good earthly father. They did everything that he could to make sure that we were taken care of. Rocked my world. Took me a long time to recover from that. In some aspects, still haven't recovered. 
It took being born again and allowing Christ to fill the voids of that heart. Man, but can I tell you, I have a heavenly father. Hallelujah. I have a heavenly father that I don't have to worry about passing. That I don't have to worry about losing out with. Amen. But he is our father. And not only is he our father, he is our everlasting father. Everlasting. Our infinite our, amen, all living, all reigning. He is our everlasting Father. And you know, for, for my father, his favorite time of year was Christmas. He would always do without to make sure that us kids and my mom was taken care of. I remember one year during hard times for us, all he, he made sure the kids were taken care of, and he uh, always made sure my mom had something for Christmas. And that year, he got her a coffee cup, and that was about all that they could afford that year. After the kids were taken care of, you couldn't give my mom a million dollars for that coffee cup to this day. Just a, uh, he he loved to give gifts and to make sure we were taken care of. There were times he was a school teacher, but worked a bunch of other odd jobs and there were times where we may go two three days without seeing daddy but we knew that what he was doing and we knew that he was working for us but my bible says this if ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children how much more shall your father in heaven give good gifts to them that ask him Oh, hallelujah. He said, uh, he said again in Luke 11, verse 13, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? And my dad worked to provide temporal gifts for his children. Oh, but my heavenly Father, amen, works to provide eternal gifts for you and for me. The gift of the Holy Ghost, the same power source that was within him that enabled him to open the eyes of the blind and raise Lazarus from the dead. Amen, church that's alive and indwelling on the inside of us, baptized in power and equipped for service. I'm glad for the good gift of the Holy Ghost. Oh my God. Power that only he can give. Preaching to you about an everlasting father. Not only did he say it'd be everlasting and father, but he said that he would be the prince of peace. Why did he say that? Because Jesus is the only source of peace. You know, it was the, the turn of the 20th century. We had World War I, and it was labeled to be the war that would end all wars. The concept and the justification of going to war and supporting what was happening to our European allies was that if we would fight this war today, and if we're victorious, we would never have to deal with evil again. Well, it didn't work out exactly like they thought it would work out. And the fact of the matter is, is that this world has not known one day of peace since World War I. And if you want to go back further than that, you can find that this world never has known true peace except for 
the 33 years that Jesus Christ walked on this earth. No conflict. Amen. No armed uh, battles and no armed wars. The fact of the matter is, amen, that even uh, when they fought the battles to be the war that would end all wars, we've not known a day of peace since then. Listen, this generation since uh, September 11, 2001, America has been in a constant state of war ever since that day. Ever since that day, all this generation knows is war and violence. It's not uncommon for them to turn on the news and there's a, a bombing or, or there's something going on and, and we've often become desensitized to that, but every time you see a bomb and an explosion, somebody's dying. Somebody's slipping into eternity. The world is in chaos. Amen. But even in a world full of strife and contention, we can have peace in our heart, not because our situations are perfect, but because he is perfect. Hallelujah. And because he is the prince of peace, no matter what we face in our life, we don't have to live a single day without the peace of God in our hearts. In Christ, you can have perfect peace. The world world may be in chaos, but you can lay your head on your pillow at night and rest well, knowing that God is in control and God is in charge. Hey, I may not know what's going to happen tomorrow, but I know who holds tomorrow, and he has given me peace that has it all understanding to know that I'm cradled in his arms. I was holding Hudson the other day in my arms. A little baby boy was asleep and he was had to be dreaming because he was laughing and cooing while he was sleeping. You know, I began to think that all is not right in the world. We're living under a pandemic. We're living with the, the very fiber of democracy being ripped out from under us. All is not right in the world but he was in my arms and he was asleep all is right in his world everything in his world was perfectly fine and it was like the Holy Ghost began to talk to me all may not be right in the world but as long as he is in his father's arms it's a place of safety. It's a place of peace. It's a place of contentment. It's a place, amen, of rest. And all may not be right in our world. But Brother Larry, as long as I'm in his arms, as long as I'm being sheltered over, amen, under the shadow of his wings, I can have peace. I can have rest. I can have comfort knowing that he is the very prince of peace. Gideon knew about that, being surrounded by the army, facing war himself. But right into the shadow of war, he built an altar, and he called it Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. You can be fighting a war, and you can still have the peace of God in your heart. Hallelujah. Where is it that you can find this peace? You can find it in his presence. I was in Kenya, and the Lord laid this message on my heart to preach. We had preached a pastor's conference, and God had moved mightily, and uh, came back and was preaching at Brother Reuben's church that Sunday morning. 
I had been there four years earlier. And I can tell you that one of the, the most scared that I'd ever been in my life was on that particular trip. You think presidential elections are bad in the U.S. Presidential elections over there cost people their lives. It was just a few years ago that they had the Civil War and thousands upon thousands were killed over who was going to be elected president. So anytime it's political season, the level of unrest is very high. And they had were jockeying for positions and one side wasn't looking good for them. And that was the side that was uh, run by a majority of Muslims. They had linked up with Al-Shabaab. So Al-Shabaab decided they were going to start blowing things up. They just happened to decide that the week that this boy was in Africa all by himself. There's nothing like we, we had preached the, the conference uh, that four years earlier. Brother Reuben dropped me off and he went and by his barber, got a haircut and a coke and was headed home. And he saw him throw the bombs into a bus station that killed several. I had come in from church and was exhausted preaching four times a day. And I just laid across the bed and went into a sleep and when I, I got up I heard all the sirens and I heard all the commotion I heard everything going on I went down to the lobby and I asked the manager I said what's what's going on what's all the commotion he told me he said there was a bombing at the bus station I said how far is it away he said about 45 or 50 kilometers it's very far you're very safe I just knew brother Bob and in my heart something wasn't right somewhere all night, sirens going off, people in the streets running, chaos. Didn't sleep a week that night. Didn't know what was going on. Brother Reuben gets up and uh, comes against me the next morning. And I said, brother, did you hear about the bombing last night or yesterday afternoon? He said, hear about it. I saw it. I said, the hotel manager told me it's 40 or 50 kilometers away. He said, he just didn't want you to get scared and leave and go somewhere else. He said, you see that smoke billowing up right over there? I said, yes, sir. He said, that was the bus station. It might have been about six blocks from, from, my, from my hotel. If I had known that, Brother Corey probably would have been on the next flight out of Nairobi. Uh, getting home, a very volatile situation. Well, when I booked the next trip to go back and, and preach, it was political season again. Didn't know what I was getting into, but the situation, the, the climate was totally different. It was, you felt safe walking down the streets. And I, I got to this point in the message and I was dealing with Jesus Christ being the Prince of Peace and uh, started talking about the peace that, that Christ gives. And I felt a feeling like I had never felt in my life. They jumped up out of their chairs. Pandemonium broke out in the house. Folks went to shouting. But the glory of God filled the place. And a peace that I have never felt before and I have never felt since settled down in the building that night. Brother Reuben told me after the fact, he said, we have been fasting and praying all year for peace to reign in our country. 
and for peace. We don't want violence. We don't want the political situation to get out of chaos and people to die. We have just been praying for God to send peace. And I told him, well, Brother Reuben, you got it this morning. The peace of God was in the house. They had a very peaceful transition of power. Amen. But I'm, I'm, I'm here to tell you, folks, it doesn't matter what you're up against or what you're facing. You can't have the peace of God. It's not just some pie in the sky. It's not just something that you never can have, but you can have the tangible, the very present peace that passeth all understanding. Peace that you can't comprehend. Peace that you don't know where it come from. You don't know how it got there. You just know that God gave it in the middle of war, in the middle of calamity, in the middle of a dire political situation. You can have the peace of Almighty God. Peace. Kirsten, come help me. I'm done. Not only did he say he would be the Prince of Peace, I'm closing with this. The Word of God says that he would be the head of an ever-increasing government that will have no end. When Jesus came, the, the Jews thought that their Messiah would be a ruling monarch that would establish an earthly kingdom. And listen to me, while Jesus did not establish an earthly kingdom, he did establish a kingdom on earth. And that kingdom is called the church. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that kingdom will know no end. One commentary said of this, of the increase of his government. And his peace shall be no end. The Messiah's kingdom shall ever increase more and more. There shall be no limits to it. And ultimately... That church will fill the world. It was Jesus that gave the great commission when he said that all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Can you say amen? teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded unto you and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. We as the church have the mandate to go into all the world and preach this gospel. You may not physically go, but you can send somebody else to go. You may not have the resources that you think you can give, but you can cover somebody in prayer. Amen. You can spend your time. Listen, the limits of the church have no end. The only limits the church has are the limits that we place on ourselves. Because Christ, Brother Bob, has given us the world. The world is yours. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go and preach the gospel. Why? Because this government is not a democracy where the people rule. It's not a republic where mob rules, but it's a theocracy where he rules. Hallelujah. And I've got good news for you tonight. You don't have to worry about anybody voting him out. You don't have to worry about anybody cheating him out. And you don't have to worry about anybody trying to impeach him out. The word of God said he is the head of the government whose peace shall know no end. No end. 
There is no expiration date to his power. There's never going to be a deep state to conspire against him. Well, if you want to call Satan that, he may conspire against him, but we know his fate. <laughs> Hallelujah. When he's thrown in the lake of fire forever and forever and forever. But Jesus is still standing victorious forever and forever and forever. Oh, folks, there's power in his name tonight. There's power in his name tonight. We don't realize, oftentimes I think that we fail to, 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 to realize the power that we do have in the name of Jesus. Going right in line with what Brother Eddie preached this morning on prayer. When we pray, it's not out of habit that we say, Father, in the name of Jesus. We're saying in the authority of Jesus. In the stead of Jesus. In the power of Jesus. <laughs> I come before you in the name of your Son. Your Son has given me the right to approach you. And here is my petition. And here is what we need. Listen, if we don't take advantage of that power and we don't put into operation that power in our lives, it's not his fault that miracles don't happen. It's not his fault that people aren't getting saved. It's because we're not operating in that name. We're not taking the authority that we should in that name. Listen, there's power tonight in the name of Jesus. Whatever we need, whatever we're facing, whatever we're up against, he's able to resolve. He is the wonderful, mighty God. He is the everlasting Father. He is our counselor. He is our Prince of Peace. And He is our ruling King. Oh, hallelujah. I wonder if we could tonight, as we have preached to you, just the simplicity of the gospel from start to finish. Listen, if the gospel isn't good enough for you, then you've set your standards in the wrong place. The gospel is right for whatever you need in your life. Hallelujah. Amen. Whatever you need, whatever you're facing, the gospel, Christ, is the answer. And the answer is laid out before you tonight. I wonder if you could, if you feel comfortable, meet me in these altars. And pray in your pew, whatever, wherever you feel most comfortable. I, I just believe that we're going to have an encounter with this man called Christ. I, I believe that when he walks in the room, I, when he showed up tonight, he come with the answer in his hand. And you, like the woman with the issue of blood, if you can just but touch him, everything's going to be all right. Hallelujah. Reach out to him. Don't let him pass you 